Hello and welcome to the Long Left Podcast. We've been away for a couple of weeks and we're probably going to be away for a while again because there's no meaningful cricket coming up. Um, but since the T20 Blast and County Championships have both finished, we thought we'd get together. It's just me and Russ. Hello Bonjour. There. Bonjour. How you, you doing, mate? You right? Yeah, all right. Just a bit of a bit of a cough that's lingering. So hopefully I'll I'll try and avoid doing that and yeah. mute my mic if I need to but yeah all good nice to, be, nice to be recording this at sort of six o'clock in the evening as well yeah yeah obviously um you know we'd you'd never interrupt the working day for anything like this like going on the radio and talking about the rugby world cup anything like that hey that that's that's raising the profile of the uh ball over podcast which exists again I've, it does I've just had a listen to that today you're back we are back, and we had a good time. Doug joined us from Japan, which was a shock, certainly. But uh, he yeah. yawned a lot because because I woke him internet. up. <laughs> I woke him up. I literally woke him up. Excellent. He said, "Oh, I'll come on. I've got to be on the bus at eight o'clock. So you know, if I do this, and it'll be five o'clock my time." And so by the time I actually called him, which was sort of nine p.m. last night our time, he um. No, it was about 8.15 our time. It was quarter past four in the morning in Japan. Excellent. So he was even more cheery than normal. Oh, ray of sunshine. <laughs> I enjoyed it, actually. It's a good, good listen. I've not... We've, this is supposed to be a cricket podcast, and we'll talk about cricket in a minute. But I've, uh, as far as rugby goes, I've not seen enough of the World Cup so far. Um, but I've very much enjoyed the bits I have, like, like the end of well, the last 20 minutes or so of Japan versus Ireland. That was exceptional. <laughs> it didn't. It Japan are supposedly, you say in rugby circles, tier one sides and tier two sides. Japan are obviously not a tier one team, but it didn't look like that. No, and they obviously you know home soil and all that sort of stuff. I don't don't know how much that kind of matters in Japan with regards to the you know the lack of partisan nature of their crowd. But <laughs> I think that. You know, it can't do any harm. No, absolutely not. And I mean, they were they stepped right up. I think Ireland pretty much thought they were going to rock up and walk all over them and just turn up, um, but they didn't, and they won. So fair play, Japan. That was uh, it was impressive. It was certainly impressive to watch. So they've just got to beat Scotland, and then they're pretty much a nice, nice quarterfinal spot. Yeah, although although Scotland beat beat Samoa today, so uh, yeah. Scotland's still got a chance. It's yeah, it's it's nice that in a competition like the Cricket World Cup, um, although that's been different this time, where some group games mean something. Um, Do you see my attempt at steering this back to cricket, which didn't really work? <laughs> well, well done. I like it. <laughs> uh, let's well let let me really um, mention the fact that Essex won the last meaningful ever T Twenty Blast, uh, which is a, I guess, makes me happy in that. It's a trophy that Essex have won. We've never won it before. And, oh, well, for the last few performances, thoroughly deserved. Over the competition as a whole, not at all. 
Um, they were st- I did say, I did say to you, I did say to you when you crept in to um, fourth place after that monumental uh, game at Taunton, where Somerset scored like two hundred and thirty, and Middlesex knocked it off to yeah. basically stop Somerset qualifying. Um, and Essex sneaked in on net run rate, didn't they? I think in the end, yeah, we had a phenomenal amount of luck. Um, but and, I think winning the last three of uh, the last four games, I think we won three and tied one and just other results like that went our yeah. way. And I did say, I remember, I remember specifically saying via text message, you'll go and win that now on finals day. Well, I didn't think we were good enough. Well, but, you, it, but you've got people like Ravi Bapara, um, Tender Scarta, you know, where I thought you would struggle was, you know, taking wickets potentially, but you know, Harmer was, always tight Uh, any 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 game any any day for t20 in it and essex have had their day yeah i think that's that's right we we weren't the best side in the competition all in all and but talk about peaking at the right time and also the 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 pitch on finals day suited us where where you've got harmer we picked we picked nija for the first well for the first time i think it was the semi-final was his second ever T20 game, yeah. Uh, just just because he's a, a second specialist spinner, and uh, with Harmer in particular, that played into our hands, I think. And yeah, two, well, winning two tosses always helps. Yeah, always helps. It just puts you puts your head of the game, doesn't it? And you know, taking on the holders in the final, you know, you, you would have thought, uh, oh, you're in, you're in in peril a little bit but it was Ravi Bapara again wasn't it he just yeah seems um, to to do the business when it matters he does I don't I don't know how this is might be a strange rabbit hole I don't know how I'm going to look back at Ravi's career as a whole like internationally county wise obviously how it worked how it worked out for England has meant it's worked out exceptionally well for Essex but I kind of feel there's just a lot of missed potential there, both in tests, well, at all levels of the game, really. Because I think he, I think he was good enough to succeed, and he, he did for a time. Yeah, but he, always, he always had his detractors. He at just, the highest he, just level. Fl- he just flattered to deceive, didn't he? Always, he, he always, he was almost, you know, from the the Mark Ramprakash school of stepping up to international cricket he 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 put in some brilliant performances for england but he also sort of disappeared in a lot of cases Do you remember when they brought him in thinking he was going to be our answer at number three well yeah t- 2009 ashes so we'd played west indies away and then at home and he smashed three centuries yeah at number three started that ashes summer full of confidence he was dropped by the end of the series for jonathan trott yeah and, and well and we all know the end of that story yeah yeah um, ODIs, he had a longer, longer career. Because well, he, because he offered that sort of naggy medium pace, and he the sort of Collingwood esque. Always pace. underused, always yeah, underused. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we well we saw a bit of that in the in the T Twenty final as well. Uh, you know, per- perfect again for that pitch. Yeah, but he just slow and tacky, and yeah, just bowling cutters just, into the pitch. Yeah, no one, nobody. I mean, Worcestershire in the final, you have Pat Brown, who's this young, sort of 19, 20-year-old fast bowler. But I don't think he bowled a single delivery above about 75 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, just 
all slower balls. It was just that was what was working. But yeah, Rav, Ravi was the difference, and I didn't I didn't think he'd get us over the line. But yeah, he's rolling back yeah, the years. He did. he did. They should sign him sign him up for a new contract, which is up in the air, which is a bit weird. Is it still up in the air? He hasn't done anything with it yet. Well, I don't I don't know what's happening. He was a bit coy about whether he was going to stay. I don't know if he's going to retire from Red Bull cricket or just go and be some T20 whore around the world. I don't know what his plans yeah. are. I got the Fair impression enough. it might be up to him rather than Essex. I mean, Essex would be mad not to want to keep him. He's, he's been there his whole career. You'd think so, wouldn't you? While we're, um, while we're talking about white ball favourites, I would, I would also like to say uh, a farewell to a, a white, a bit of a white ball Hero, as such, or probably not a hero. Um, someone says Peter Trigo, who has uh, not <laughs> had his contract renewed. I think I don't know whether we mentioned this last time and whether the news had broken last time. Um, One of the best goalkeepers you could ever pick up on Champman. Absolutely, I remember him scoring. I played I played junior football with Trigs for Milton Nomads. And uh, he's he's just one of these really annoying blokes that was good at everything. I remember playing <laughs> playing cricket against him. And there was another lad called John Williams and they played for, for Western, Western Supermare, who I later went on to play for. But I played for this village team called Kongsbury. And in the like under 15s age group, obviously it was always two years. There was no under 14s. It was like under 13s and under 15s. So you'd go into the under 15s and you'd have John Williams at one end and Peter Trigo at the, at the other. And John was arguably a better cricketer than, than Triggs was. Um a quicker bowler and a better batsman, but Triggs just kept at it. He had some good breaks and, and he went at it. He, he turned up at the England under 19 um, trials and just said, oh, I'm a wicketkeeper. He, he, he wasn't a wicketkeeper, just did. That's just, just the type of sort of type of bloke he was just supremely confident, not, not really very bothered. That's why when he had that first stint at Somerset, he was seen as a bit of a, a bit of a wild child. And then moved away, played a bit of football, Margate. And I think Gus Fraser gave him a bit of a chance at Middlesex, where he, he performed well and then ended up back at Somerset. But for the last sort of eight or seven or eight years, he's been an absolute stalwart of Somerset. Um, more so in white ball cricket. And this season, he was on a white ball only contract, to which Somerset have not um, not renewed. And they struggled towards the end of the blast. Uh, no, yeah, towards the end of the blast campaign. Other than that, um, that mega game against Middlesex, as I mentioned, and and he couldn't get a look in because they were they were bringing a lot of the youngsters through, and obviously, you know, we'll talk about Tom Banton in a minute. Um, they had Baba Azam; those two were the top two scorers in the in the, in the entire tournament, I think, and uh, they still didn't even make the quarterfinals. So uh, he's been brilliant. He's a character. I can see a bit of a future for him doing some white ball stuff, maybe on on telly. He did finals day, didn't he? Was there on finals day doing a bit of sky? Uh, if he was, I didn't notice him. He or he might have been, been. He might have been working for a different broadcaster. He might have been somewhere. Okay. He was definitely there. Um, so yeah, yeah he, he, well. he was always. Yeah, he was never quite knocking on the door internationally, but as a county opponent, it, it, yeah, particularly in in white ball cricket, he scored a couple of centuries for the Lions back in the day. Okay, okay. In white ball cricket, in the days, you know, it would probably be alongside bloody JB Dalrymple and people like that. But, uh, <laughs> oh, those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah, don't, so. don't, don't worry, lads. We're, uh, we're, 
we're having a bit of wobble. We're we're 100 for four off 38 overs, but don't panic because Jamie Dalrymple's coming in. <laughs> Amazing. How far we've come. Oh, I know, yeah. But the, anyway. the, other, the other bit of county cricket, the more, well, arguably more important bit, the, the proper county cricket, the four-day game, it couldn't have come down to, well, a better set-up finish for Somerset to play Essex at Taunton. Unfortunately, a bit of rain around, which I, I guess you'd say spoilt it, but... It did, it did didn't it? It spoiled what would have been a really, really good game, I think. And but we've had this discussion on over text is, is that ultimately, regardless regardless of the what the weather does, you've got to put yourself in a position to to be in front at the end. And Essex did that, and they fully deserve to to take home the championship. It's, I mean, yeah, that that's right. And while I feel Somerset were unfortunate in a way, that's. That's the case. Essex were 12 points ahead going into that game. And if that game had been in June and the fixtures had all been in a different order, it would have been forgotten about. It would have just been a draw. There wouldn't have been any attempt to manufacture something by Somerset, obviously, but the result would have been the same. And, the well, you'd think the result of the, the title would have been the same. But there were a few games in the lead-up that meant it could have been different. Obviously, Somerset lost at Hampshire, the penultimate match, which is... That's the one that's killed it for them, I guess. Rather well, than it, it is and blaming that's, the rain. That'll be, that'll be the one that kind of sticks in the in the mouth a little bit more than anything. Is that is that defeat to to Hampshire? But again, you know, one played fourteen, one nine, drawn two, lost three. In any other season, that would probably take over the championship. Just yeah. not this. Just not this season. It's like saying, well, you it's know, Man City and Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, a little or bit. Spurs and Leicester, and then still finishing third. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think, well, I mean, Somerset gave it a go on that final day, um, and they were realistically, when you look back in a cold light of day, they were never really going to do it. They never really, really had time, but it. Didn't half give <laughs> give me a, it, give me it a scare. It didn't make it any less fun to watch. I mean, oh. from from Alistair Cook and Tom Wesley going along quite nicely, and you know, steering you along 102 for two. It was when Cook went to go for like eight wickets for 38 runs or whatever it was. But just the manner of the dismissals, the dismissals, the dismissals were <laughs> the, the manner of the dismissals were just. It was just so good to watch. You know, you got the spinners bowling from either end. Leach had it on a string, pretty much. And you know, I think obviously Essex knew that they they would struggle. Uh, Somerset are going to struggle to take twenty wickets in two sessions, but they get. You know, yeah, yeah. Essex were almost a bit too tentative in that first innings. I thought just prodding away, and you know, they 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 were sort of masters it's, of their it's own a destiny. Difficult. Like one to judge because everybody reacts differently you see the winning line and you you sort of you sort of know what you've got to do yeah Essex all they have to do on that final day is bat out yeah two and a bit sessions whatever it was you've got two and you've got two innings as well you'd think it's you'd think it's a walk in the park but yeah pressure 
pressure. If it, I don't even know if pressure is the right word, but just the whole occasion can do strange things. And that that pitch, by the way, nothing wrong with that pitch whatsoever. No, uh, any any suggestion otherwise is nonsense. Well, it was, um, it was a pitch, I, I love a pitch a, like that. It's great and, to watch. Is the it was a pitch to suit the home team. Which is right. right, and and the away team get the choice of whether they want to bat a ball on it first. Yeah. So you don't even have to have a toss. So you know, I think it suited uh, Essex as much as it suited um, Somerset. But yeah, both both teams aren't short of a a top class spinner, are they? Ab- absolutely. The only thing you you could say is that you know in that in that Essex lineup on the day, um, Simon Harmer would have bowled. Well, Harmer and, and Nijar would have would have bowled a hell of a lot of overs if they if they had to. Yeah, yeah. And that maybe maybe that's where Somerset were better having a well more than one top class spinner, which, which Essex didn't really have. Yeah. But I, don't, I mean, I don't if, think that if, been an even issue. if you if you look at that first innings from Somerset, I mean, Little Chef, nineteen overs, four for twenty six. Yeah. And Harmer. Well, yeah, outbowled Jamie Porter. Tw- 27 overs, 5 for 105. Yeah. Porter had 11, and Najjar had um, 4.4, 1 for 18. But that was when Vandermeer was Vandermeer was teeing off anyway. You know, they were just trying to get the get the runs up to get above 200 for the um, another bonus point, weren't they? Which made it made the game a lot more competitive as, as it turned out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, when Essex are bowled out, when I got a bit confused with the rules. I was a bit surprised by the fact that you couldn't add any more time at the end of the fourth day. There's a strange, seems to be a strange rule there. So it was going to finish at half past five, come what may. Yeah. But you know, by that point, Essex have like an hour to hold out for the second innings, and you've you think even just the time it takes to, for batsmen to come in and out of the pavilion <laughs> that should have been nailed on, and it and it was. There were suggestions towards the end. You know, the, yeah, Essex could have tried to knock the sixty off to to win and avoid defeat that way. But why but, would you? But, What's the but point? actually, well, it came down. I mean, I think they were again being very tentative. It's going back to how do you approach this sort of situation where you just just have to block. Um, but a few runs started to flow, and by by the point that Essex realised that the game was absolutely safe, which it probably always was. And they could win the game. That seemed the right time to shake hands. Yeah. Yeah. There's no and point rubbing anyone's face in it. No. And, um, you know, with that in mind, the, when Somerset brought Marcus Triscothic onto the oh. field, which was, you know, a little bit emotional. It was, it was fantastic. And, and the fact, what I really enjoyed was Alistair Cook, or Sir Alistair Cook and Marcus Driscoffit being on the field at the same time. Yes. Because obviously Marcus Driscoffit flew, flew back from India, didn't he? And it was Alistair Cook that basically took his place on that tour. Um, you know, that could have been England's opening partnership. Imagine imagine that. Imagine Cook and Triscothic for a, for a couple of years. Well, they played together briefly that summer at home, but Cook was batting at three. So we yeah. had... Just Gothic Strauss and Cook. Imagine that now. Oh, <laughs> oh, Christ, you have your arm off for that now. <laughs> but that would have been, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, having those three in the team for 
many years would have been fantastic. Uh, Truscothic's style would have been perfect alongside Alistair Cook as well. Well, you, the, the scoreboard would have just... It, it, the whole point of where England have struggled recently is they don't know whether to shit or bust. They're yeah. either stuck in the mud or they're too gung-ho. And Marcus Truscothic was the, the, one of the best ever, in my opinion, exponents of knowing how to play that kind of situation. And he had those shots. So he was always positive, but knowing when to rein it back. I always think, I mean, he didn't get a hundred in that series, but that first innings at Edgbaston where he just him and well, with Andrew Strauss as well, but the way they took Shane Warne on. Yeah. And that first session that just, that set up that series win. Yeah. arguably The game win and the series win. Yeah, absolutely. And the, I, I love the way that they stuck him on, getting down on his knees, close in catching, and the whole thing. Yeah, he he clearly realised, as a, as I suspect Somerset realised that he was done earlier in the season. But to give him that moment was, well, at the very least, he deserved. Also, love the way that Essex, having just won the title and going berserk, managed to collect themselves and give him a guard of honour. Oh, absolutely, and but that's that's kind of the beauty of the um, the county championship and, and sort of English well, cr- cricket, cricket in general. Yeah, that's that's how it should be. You know, you play, you look, you look at. I mean, we we talked about the Australian team so much this summer, and yeah, how we we might not particularly get along with a couple of them, but you know, it was the same twenty years ago. Well, you, I say you know. I'm not so sure with this lot, but when they retire, yeah, they'll, they'll, it'll it'll seem different, and the, well, the the England team will get will get on with them, and they they obviously shared shared a few beers after the series. But there's yeah, regardless of how much of a dick you are on the field or how competitive you are, there's there's something in cricket where there's mutual respect. Yeah, that you but don't does, see in every it sport. Does, it does make you wonder though, looking at Marcus Truscothic. Um, and his longevity, what, 43 years old, I think he is now? I'd have to yeah. check that. Sounds about right. But we will, I doubt we'll see that again, as in, like, that length of career. It's just the, the game has changed, the world has changed. You won't see, or you, 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 I can't say you won't, but it's very unlikely you'll see the longevity of a, of a career like like. Marcus Triscothic, especially at county level, because he could have walked away a long time ago, and he's he's suffered with injuries, and he's you know, he's barely played over the last three years. But his his he love of the game, his love of the game, has just yeah. kept him going. And you know, you got to tip your hat to Somerset as well for um for for keeping him for keeping him going. It's only the last year or two that his form's probably dipped isn't it he's he's been prolific for a long time for some yeah but, but you say the last three years he's he's been he's been he's been injured or pretty well barely yeah. on the field i think is is probably the fairest way to say it but or by the look of him when he came on to do a bit of sub fielding i would say he spent a lot of that time eating it's <laughs> very, very fair sausages <laughs> um and why why the hell shouldn't he i i we we're not going to fall out over this. We both adored Trez, didn't we? Adora- adoration is is the yeah. right word. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I mean, we go, I mean, that was the county championship. I've quick word on Somerset 2016 and that Middlesex versus Yorkshire, Yorkshire fix, yeah. which is the right word. And it's all too quickly forgotten. I, I don't want to be the, it's a bit hard to say what I want to say without coming across like a patronizing prick. If, if you see where I'm coming from. Um, yeah, like the Liverpool Man City thing, their record in the county championship and more than that, what happened three years ago, they deserve that bloody trophy. Yeah. And, I, and I, I hope that it's going to come to them at some point very soon. It's a shame that it wasn't for while well, Trez was still playing. Uh, I mean, they've they've been the near. Well, I said this before. They've been the nearly men throughout the formats for for quite a long time. You know, since they first won the T Twenty under um, Jamie Cox back then, and then they had good success under Graham Smith in white ball, but yeah. red ball they just they've been so close on too many occasions. You'd think that they they would have to get there, but. You know, Sport hurts, and that. Looking at the team they've got, I, and if they keep preparing pitches at Sidrabad that have, have been like that, I think they'll keep doing well. The only the, the only negative is you know, the likes of Leach being called away for international duty. Um, yeah, maybe one or two of their batsmen you could argue should be and will be. Yeah. Hold on. We've got some. Uh, Thought you were just playing a little tune. Yeah, sorry, my mobile was ringing. Uh, yeah, let's hope that I'm, I'm sure they'll be there or thereabouts next year. Although it's it's always very difficult to predict. Um, the, a couple of overseas players can can change things in counter cricket. All Absolutely, sorts of things can change very quickly. Um, but we will. Well, fingers fingers crossed. We will see. The next cricket of any importance is England's tour of New Zealand, and. No ODIs, but T20 games and test matches are going to go on down there. I think we're all a bit sick of ODIs for a bit, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to have much context if there was a, <laughs> a, a series down there. Nor will the T20, to be honest with you. No, but the preparation for the the T20 World Cup now starts in earnest, doesn't it? And how much? I just wonder how much how much preparation is needed really for a work for a t20 world cup i know you know that will sound ridiculous and i just like well yeah you pick you pick some players that are in form you pick some your best players and you go out there and you give it a good go don't you it's it's a strange i don't know quite where it sits this is probably for a bigger podcast another day i mean I say Essex have won the last meaningful T20 blast is going to be the hundred and another. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that right now either, but it, it puts into perspective how, how the ECB at least see T20 cricket. Um, it's a, it's a tricky one. There are calls for international T20 to be binned by some and just to leave, just to leave it as a, a franchise thing around the world. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that too much. Um, you know, I, I don't mind having a World Cup. There doesn't need to be any other sort of tournaments and a couple of, you know, a couple of three T20 games tagged on to the end of every 
meaningful series doesn't really what does it do extends a tour by a week if that yeah that, it's not as if it's um they're unwatchable is it no, I mean, exactly it... right you know i'd rather watch three t20s and three odis at the end of a test match series or whatever so yeah that's uh doug's argument is is the same yeah well you've got you've you've got your wish for new zealand dougie um no odis the England T20 squad, a few young names in there, one or two old ones. Um, you've got from Somerset, Banton. Banton and, and Lewis Gregory. Gregory. Yeah. I mean, Lewis Gregory's been superb and he gives the ball a hell of a whack. He offers that sort of pace option. He is a, a genuine all-rounder. And Tom Banton, has, you know, as I mentioned earlier, been an absolute revelation in this year's blast. He, he hits the ball so hard to all parts of the ground. And... You know, he he looks almost un, unflappable. When I watched it and, and playing with Baba Azam, who is the highest rated world T20 batsman, I think, has given has given him an incredible amount of confidence. I mean, he scored a load of runs in the, in the Royal London too, Tom Banton. So it's not like he's just a, a stand and deliver. He can he can genuinely bat. He plays all of the, the right shots just everywhere. I thought you were going to say not necessarily in the right order for a minute. <laughs> um, what about Red Bull? Do you see him it's, uh, stepping it's up? Still, it's still early days for Red Bull. He's been batting um, middle order in for Somerset in the Red Bull. He he hasn't set the world alight as far as as far as runs go, but uh, yeah, we we can see. I mean, I think this way round. I do think this way round is a really good way to blood young cricketers into international cricket. Yeah, no, I totally I agree with that. Um, yeah giving them that experience, that exposure. What it doesn't do is you know, doesn't teach them the technique needed to play test match cricket. But I think that is something that that has to be honed over a longer period of time. I think throwing youngsters in it 18, 19, 20, 21 into a test match, I think you're better off having a, a crop of players from, let's say, 24 to 30 who kind of know their game a little bit more. And, yeah. and thirty beyond thirty, but I don't, you know, I think this almost T twenty is is the young man's game. If that makes sense. Well, the, so the squad: Owen Morgan, captains. You've got Bearstow, Banton, Billings, Pat Brown from Worcestershire, who I've mentioned, who's looked extremely good um, with the with the ball, particularly at the death. Uh, the two Currens, Joe Denley, Gregory, who we mentioned, Chris Jordan. Is still still sure. kicking around. <laughs> Saqib Mahmood from Lancashire, um, David Milan, Matt Parkinson, the leggy from Lancashire. Yeah, interesting, a surprising addition. Well, well, two, who, I mean, will also legs, feature yeah. in the in the test squad. Uh, Adil Rashid and James Vince. So it's not it's not just youngsters um, that are in there. It's quite a nice balance actually. Let's see see how yeah. they get on. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it, you know, Morgan. Uh... Jordan is experienced without being sort of old as such. Milan, yeah, yeah. Milan, the same. Rashid, the same. Say the same for Vince. The rest of it, oh, Den, Joe Denley, obviously. But the rest of it, you know, you look at Banton, Billings, Pat Brown, Curran Brothers, Gregory, Saki Mahmood, Parkinson. You know, like you say, there's a really good blend there. It seems a few players sort of pick for what they've done this summer and, and you know, a bit of form. Which is which is good. Moving on to the test squad, which is well, you'd think more predictable. There's no Bearstow, which I think we 
maybe agree with or expected. It's... However, there's no Ben Folks either. So we're basically disappointing. With... Yeah, I agree. We're going with one wicketkeeper who's Joss Butler, who I, I think should should have the gloves for England in this format. Yeah, dependent on well, if if folks isn't things. there, if, if, if fo- Ben folks isn't in it, then then absolutely over Bearstar. I mean, yeah. Um, but, so I'm I'm sort of fine with that. That to not even have Ben folks in the squad now. I I know he's not he's not averaged as much as as others this year, or as much as he has in the past. But there's there's more to it than that. That feels a bit knee jerk if it's just based on the number of runs he's got for Surrey. So, and it shouldn't be about the for your wicketkeeper. It shouldn't just be about the runs. It should be about if if they feel like if they feel like Butler's a good enough batter to be there as a batter and a wicketkeeper, then fine. But you're going to need a backup wicketkeeper, so why not have one in the squad and make that Ben folks? And then you can decide whether Josh Butler is a good enough batter to be in the squad on merit anyway. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Just reading down the squad quickly, Joe Root, obviously captain, Archer, Broad, Burns, Butler, Zach Crawley, Zach Crawley from Kent, Sam Curran, Joe Denley, who, yeah, maybe I think you know my opinions about Joe Denley, although he's, he's dug in a couple of times late in the in the Ashes series. Jack Leach, who, well, just proved in the county championship this week um, why he deserves to be there. Saqib Mahmood again. Um, Matthew Parkinson, Ollie Pope, who's I think we've been a bit unlucky not to have featured this summer. Dominic Sibley from Warwickshire, um, like Zach Crawley being picked on the on the basis that he's he's getting he's getting county runs, and yeah, there are it's next cab off the rank really with that, and then obviously Stokes and and Chris Wokes, no Jimmy Anderson. I'm not surprised. No, I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, it's. I think we'll see. I did wonder if it was a nice little tour to ease him nah, back in. I th- I think you'll see Anderson on tour in a um, mentoring capacity, maybe even like not coaching, not officially coaching, but I think I think you could well see him there. Um, it kind of fits. I mean, we we're playing New West Indies and Pakistan at home next summer, aren't we? And I can almost see Jimmy playing in South Africa as much as possible, you know, depending on if he's fit and injury free and all that sort of stuff. And then coming home, coming, coming home for the end of next summer. I mean, he's after 600 test wickets and he's on five, seven, five at the moment. I called, I did say if he was fit for the ashes and took 25 wickets, I think he would have canned it. Yeah. I think I think he'll and I think he'll if he can if he can stay healthy you know he's fit enough as in you know physically fit enough I think he he can take those 25 wickets and then bow out over 600 test wickets which I think will be a phenomenal effort agreed uh, yes he he is fit for for someone his age let's not forget he's he's 30 well he'll be 38 next year yeah so that's old for a fast bowler, but you know, as 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 we say, he looks looks after well, himself. It's a bit like, of an unfortunate injury. Yeah, he's like the Teddy Sheringham of sort of fast bowlers, though, isn't he? Because if you think he he's he kind had, of had an extra yard in his head, or yeah, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> that, that extra yard of pace, where where he's never been quick, 
he's always been you know 81 82 83 mile an hour max really but the fact that he can put it on a string you ironically don't... when he started he was was quick and yeah. couldn't put it on a string yeah well that's right but you know he can still you could you could argue if he's going to take wickets anywhere it would be new zealand um but yeah. yeah i think that um he'll be back next summer and then then we'll be we'll be saying bye-bye to sir, sir james anderson after just any, anyone could get a knighthood now they, they can absolutely <laughs> maybe not you or i um i don't know russ you run a run one or two more marathons you might be yeah. in the frame well maybe maybe if we if we do any more podcasts like different types of podcasts we could get a knighthood for our services to podcasting <laughs> the the ball over podcast the long sapper podcast the long leg podcast yeah get those knickers matter boys involved as well i don't know but that, yeah, that's yeah. probably a really niche reference for anybody that listens to us who doesn't listen to any of our other podcasts but I can't imagine there's many people. No, I think that's a strange Venn diagram. I don't think that sector's filled with with too many. Let's um, let's wrap it up because I've got other things to do. That's yeah, brutally honest. Great. Great. <laughs> yeah, not, nice to get together. Um, congratulations to Essex, double winners. No, yeah, no I, I, county's ever done that in the same year. Oh, and it's and it must must be said that obviously of the three trophies available, Somerset and Essex won three of them and finished top two in well obviously top two in the in the championship smaller counties eh smaller counties fuck you sorry <laughs> that's the perfect I'm, way to I'm, end i'm middlesex and warwickshire <laughs> don't forget yorkshire lancashire anyway right we're we're off uh we will be back probably probably when england get to new zealand yeah why not we'll speak then go well go well Bye.